It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're with you until 11 o'clock today. We do have the phone lines open, as always. 356-9397 is the number. Coming up after our show today, the rebroadcast of the Elite Eight game between Illinois and Arizona 2005 from Allstate Arena in Chicago. Lauren, good morning. Good morning. You and I were both at that game. We have uh, a lot of memories about that one and uh, how that played out. Uh, One of the things I remember was the Arizona folks getting out the championship t-shirts. They had them behind the bench there at about the final regular um, regulation timeout at the uh, 16-minute mark. Darren Williams had the best explanation for that game. He said, what just happened? What happened? I don't know. I mean, it happened so fast. It turned so fast. I mean, Illinois was still down eight points with with a minute to go. (laughs) It just just was one of those uh, impossible rallies that you you see once in a lifetime. And uh, the way the the setup there was at Allstate Arena, the media working room was across the street. You had to go underneath the building there. So a lot of media people had already started to make their way. They left at the four-minute mark. Yeah. And uh, And they they, all had leads written. They did. And some came back to watch the the, uh, last uh, few minutes and the overtime. Others watched it in the media room. But uh, that was kind of funny. And, uh, yeah, that was – I talked to a friend of mine yesterday. He said that was – actually, it was Mike Mary at Illini Pella one of our sponsors here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, he said that was the greatest Illinois sporting event that he had been to. I said, you mean the last five minutes? (laughs) Right. Everybody (laughs) talks about the greatest game they ever saw based on how it finished. It's not the greatest game. It's the greatest finish. Yeah, you didn't like the first 35 minutes. No, no. I I really truly remember sitting there thinking at the four-minute mark when people were leaving around me, uh, writers were leaving around me, and some people left, too. Don't think they did Oh, yeah, of course. And I thought, I just hope Illinois, we we had such a good season here, I just hope we can get this thing down under 10 points and look respectable because I had no possibility of winning, but they did. I'll tell you what we've got planned on the show uh, as we move along, but we have the lines open. Let's go to the phones. And Alan, out of the gate, uh, down in Montrose. Good morning, Alan. Well, what else we got to look forward to? So I'm kind of looking forward to uh, listening to that game again. Well, uh, if you don't want to know how it turns uh, out, we won't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll need to know that part of it anyway. Uh, last week you guys were talking about the Cardinals' uh, all-time uh, team and stuff. Who would you guys have at first base? Pujols. Okay, that's right. It had to be. In my opinion, Pujols in his first nine seasons of any major leaguer was probably the best player I ever saw. Can't, can't uh, argue with that. Yep. Well, who were you thinking? Stan Musial, we had him in the outfield. No, I I, I didn't catch all the names you had last uh, last week, and 
I ran across his name. I was like, I wonder who they picked for first base because there's been a few other decent ones they've had. Uh, David Griffin's situation, did you guys have an inkling that that was coming? Griffin? Not not so yeah. much. I think it surprised both Lauren and I, although well, he was always kind of a question mark. He's always been a question mark the whole two years. He's had some real serious financial problems. He's had really... The coaches were always after him on defense. And then, of course, his mother never wanted him to be here. I mean, in recent, she's really tried hard to, to sway him, and he spent about a week and a half with her in New York, and that was enough. That, that swung him. I'm, I'm sure that that's what I believe swung him. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, that's what I uh, was told from, from uh, friends that know some boosters up there. They said <clears throat> they pretty much said the same thing you did. In fact, she – of course, he wanted him to transfer last year, and he yeah. didn't. Yeah, right. His uh, stepmother supposedly tweeted out that she thought he was making a big mistake, but uh, too late for that now. Yep. Hey, Alan, appreciate the all call. Right, that's Here, all I got. Yep, here's something uh, to think about um, throughout the show. If you, Speaking of lists, I threw something out to, to Lauren earlier this week. We might do it this week. Uh, if, if you have 13 roster spots, which is what the uh, scholarship – roster for basketball is if you had 13 roster spots who would you put on your all-time illinois 13 man roster okay, think about I, that i want you to know that i cheated on this well I, because you said the people you've seen no i said all well, time i know all time but i i'm not, not going to pick somebody i didn't see okay well that that changes it a little bit okay how <laughs> I've seen everybody. <laughs> well, I guess you have. <laughs> but anyway, but well, I, did, I didn't see the Whiz Kids, and I didn't see uh, Johnny Red Kerr play in college. Yeah, or well, I didn't pay attention at least. John, Johnny was in my class, but yeah. but I picked thirteen prior to nineteen eighty seven, and I picked thirteen after nineteen eighty seven. And the reason I did in nineteen eighty seven is that's when the three point shot came in, and uh, so that changed the game in my view. And I I could I had to, I started with Sunderly Gentleman and Kerr right off the bat, and which I you can't pick thirteen people and have those three on that quick. Right. I mean you, you you fill up the list you know with Downey and Brody and Freeman and all the guys. So anyway I I cheated on you. I picked two thirteen minutes. Well I kind of did myself, but uh, I didn't break it down uh, by years. Uh, so think about that if you want to uh, as we go along. We'll kind of work that in and out of the uh, lineup. Kendall Gill will join us in a little bit. Joe Hendrickson is on our list as well. Tom Ackerman at 10 o'clock will talk some baseball. And uh, young Mr. Tate, Travis Tate, will join us at 10.30 talk uh, NBA. Let's uh, get another call in here before the break. Uh, Deanna in Villa Grove, good morning. You're on with us. Good morning. I wanted to let you know that I'm watching the Arizona-Illinois game on CBS Sports Network 158 on Dish Network right now. Is that right? Yes. Okay. How many times have you seen it? Uh, this would probably be the first. Really? Since then, since the, the right. actual game, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, good. So Thank- people might want to watch this and then later hear it as they're fixing lunch. <laughs> you said it was on Dish? Dish Network, 158, CBS Sports Network. Very good. Thanks. Appreciate that. Sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bye. 908, we'll take a break and be back with Kendall Gill after this. So on the line, Ipella, Saturday Sports Talk. It is 910, the line, Ipella, Saturday Sports Talk, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 
11 o'clock this morning. The phone line is open, 356-9397, as we uh, continue to try to talk sports at a time when uh, there are no sports going on. We're going to do that as long as we can. And here to help us this morning, our friend, the Illinois Hall of Famer, Kendall Gill. Good morning, Kendall. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How about you guys? We're doing pretty good. Uh, you staying as busy as you can uh, during this time? Oh, yeah. I, I have two boys that I have to homeschool now and, and get their physical activity in, and plus get my own in. So I'm staying busy. Plus, plus, plus a wife to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least at least it sounds like you know who's the boss, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> well, I'd ask you if you'd ever seen anything like this, but that's that 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 question has been uh, answered and asked so so many times before. But it's certainly unusual times. How, how do you think this is all going to come out? Do you have any idea as far as the resumption of sports? No, I, I, I actually really don't know. I, I was actually doing a podcast with uh, NBC uh, Sports Chicago here, who, who I work for during the Bulls games, and we we came to the consensus that we don't think that it'll be uh, an NBA season, um, you know, for the playoffs, and I, I think that the whole season probably will be canceled. I think that the only – probably thing that we have to look for if we could if we could foresee anything is possibly an nfl season maybe baseball maybe be able to eke out a half a season or something but that, that's that's the way i see it kendall this is lauren uh i heard something this morning uh, actually brad sturdy put it on twitter what's wrong with uh, carrying over spring sports into the fall if you think about the fall you've got saturday football but during the week You've got nothing much going on, really. You could play baseball games. You could have uh, spring sports there. You could play in. You could play basketball in that uh, period and and start the other, start the next season maybe a little bit later around Christmas or something like that. But what are your thoughts about uh, moving some of this stuff into the let's say August September into there and and playing uh, during the fall? Well, you know, I, I actually would would love for that to happen. Uh, yes, and it is possible. Um, you know, I remember when when we were locked out in the NBA for the, the the first time the NBA had a lockout, and you know they shortened the season, got everything in. Yeah, we did miss uh, a number of games, but everybody was happy to be back. The players, the fans. So, you know, if if they can squeeze it in, and let's and let's not forget the amount of money that uh, this coronavirus worldwide has has cost everyone. Not only not only lives, but you know it, it's halted our economy and everything so you know i know that the owners want to get back as soon as possible i know that the players want to get back as soon as possible not only for, not only for, for the money and everything but, but for their livelihood i mean everybody's life has been affected by this thing what's your thought about possibly playing games without fans uh i i i say why not you know um i think safety is first because we unfortunately we've not, we've lost a, a number of people due to this disease, but if we can get the games in and, and the players are all healthy, um, and the league decides to uh, do it without fans, I'm I'm all for it. Um, you know, like I said, the number one thing is safety. I don't want anybody else to be infected, and of course we know this disease is highly contagious. So, you know, when you bring twenty thousand people together, I know that you know a lot of people. One would be frightened about it, and 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 two, uh, want to be safe at all times. And I don't know. I'm not so sure, guys, that if 
they did open up the NBA season, whether we'd have people come back in droves right away. You know, I think that psychologically this thing has worked on people's minds so much that, you know, you, you may not see, if they do allow, you may not see full stadiums uh, once they start sports again right away. That's a good point. And I was thinking even further down to college football Saturdays and places where you have 90, 100,000 people, how, you know, I suppose Ohio State fans, the way as crazy as they are, that <laughs> they'd be back. But uh, that is a good point and to be something to keep an eye on. You did see yeah, how absolutely. You did see how fast the golfers came back the other day. That one day, everybody had a chance to play, and they flooded the courses. And the next thing you know, the the golf courses, the pre, the governor declared the golf courses off limits. Yeah, again. I was one of those. One day, I was one of those that got around in on Wednesday, but uh, it didn't last very long. Hopefully, uh, that is something that'll be looked at again. But that's that's pretty far down the governor's list, I would say. But uh, it was good to get out as a golfer. Kendall, uh, Illinois didn't get a chance, obviously, and nobody else did, to, to to extend the season in the NCAA tournament. But talk about what you saw with this Illinois basketball team and Brad Underwood's third year. Did you like what you saw? Do you think it's heading in the right direction? Oh, absolutely. I, I loved what I saw. And, you know, I'm glad that uh, Io has developed his game. Um, you know, Kofi is, is coming around. I think that he was – both of those guys, being uh, the prize recruits that they are, actually, uh, along with everybody else, um, put us back in the mix. Um, you know, for for so many, for some, well, not not well, for about five or six years. You know, I was here on sports talk talk radio uh, here in Chicago as I'm driving my kids to to school in the morning. That you know, Illinois is is like a mid major program right now, and it would really it would really tick me off. You know that they would consider us that, but now that we've we're, we're getting the interest back we're winning now we're winning big games uh we have uh, have bona fide stars io being first team all big 10 and and now we have a recruit here from chicago adam miller uh coming to us as well you know people are starting to talk about our program again not, not only basketball but our football program as well you know there was a lot of excitement uh when uh lovey and the guys we're, we're having success this season. So I think that Illinois athletics as, as a whole uh, starting to be talked about and, and, and now has become a name again, especially here in the Chicagoland area. Talking to Kendall Gill, you're the perfect guy to, to ask in my mind about I.O. You uh, played a long time in the NBA. You cover the NBA. You've uh, played at the highest level in college. What do you think? Do you think he's ready at this point for the NBA? Any idea what you think he might do? Uh, yeah, I think that he's ready. Um, last year, I know that there were whispers about him coming out, and uh, you know, I didn't. I just didn't think that he was ready. I didn't think that he had the the consistent jump shot uh, to make it in the league. Uh, I knew that he had the driving ability. Also, I, I think that physically he wasn't ready as well. But from what I saw this season. The way that he knocked down those big shots, I believe that was at Michigan. Um, the way that he played at, at Penn State, um, and the way that he was able to take uh, a leadership role this year as a young player, all of that told me that he was ready to go. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm watching him on his jump shots and everything, and how he's able to get his shot off of the dribble, how he's able to shoot the jump shot off of the dribble. Those are all of the things that you need to go to the next level. Last year, his freshman year, he didn't have that. But this year, it looked like you can tell he put in the work and 
you know, now he's, I think that he's ready. Um, and I think that he's going to be a, I think he's going to be a really, really good pro. I mean, six, four or five long and rangy and uh, can have the ability to play both the one position and the two position. Uh, you know, and I, I think that he's going to go. I don't, I don't think that there's any question about that. Well, Kendall, you know, there are a lot of fictional games on the internet these days and you know what one of <laughs> yeah, them is. Yeah. 1989 against 2005. Uh, your yeah. thoughts of, as you, you've seen that 2005 team, and of course, you played most of the season <laughs> in 1989, except for that injury. Uh, what's your, uh, how's your vote? <laughs> well, I'm certainly not going to vote for the 2005. <laughs> well, you know, uh, two, 2005 is, is receiving more votes, and I think that's natural because more recent, more people remember that team than. Then you know a lot of people were were just being born in, in 1989. That, uh, but uh, the reason that I put the I, that I give your team the edge, and you can talk about this, is I give that the 89 team the edge, and I'm in the minority here. Uh, Liberty Smith and Small coming off the bench gives you a little bit of an edge. They, uh, they didn't have that in 2005. They didn't have the bench that you guys did. What do you think? Yeah, Lauren, and, 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 you know, I understand the people voting and everything, and all due respect to, to the 2005 team, but honestly, people, and I'm, I'm, uh, and I'm not saying this because I, I was on the 89 team, it wouldn't have even been close. It would have been, it would have been over by halftime, okay? Here's the reason. The reason is when the 2005 team played, you have to understand that college basketball was watered down all of the good players didn't even go to college. So they weren't playing against an Iowa team with a B.J. Armstrong, a Roy Marble, uh, Ed Horton. They weren't playing against a Michigan team with a Glenn Rice, Ramil Robinson, uh, Lloyd Vaught, uh, Hughes, um, all these guys that were pros. They weren't, they weren't playing against a Syracuse team with a Derek Coleman, a Billy Owen, uh, Sherman Douglas, Stevie Thompson. They weren't playing against Derek Chevious uh, from Missouri. And all. We played against those teams all the time. Go uh, uh, Georgia Tech with Tommy Hammond, Dennis Scott. And this was all season long that we played against these teams. And we beat them handily. Now, are you going to tell me that D. Brown is going to guard me? <laughs> well, I'm six foot five. You know, my first I'm thought, Kendall, in, in that discussion, my first thought was that. And who would guard Nick Anderson? <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Who's going to guard Nick Anderson? Who's going to guard Kenny Battle? Who's going to guard Lowell Hamilton? And then, you know, Lowell doesn't get enough credit because, you know, yeah, Lowell is our center at six foot seven, but these people don't realize how high Lowell jumped. His wingspan was that of a six foot ten player. Lowell played about six foot ten, six foot eleven. And if you go back and look at the highlights, guys, athletically, they just could not compete with us. You Nobody know, could you know, Kendall, I just saw something this week. Syracuse, I believe, now correct me if I'm wrong, I think they've won two national championships, hasn't Syracuse, yeah. Yeah. under Bayheim. Mm -hmm. Do you know that they consider their greatest team, some people consider their greatest team, 1989? I mean, that tournament yeah. in Minneapolis was unbelievable. And Syracuse yeah. is right in there with them. Yeah, um, unbelievable. And, and actually, Lauren, I, I totally agree with you. That was the best team that we ever played against, the flying line that Syracuse game. Uh, you know, they were they were up on us 13 in the first half, but, you know, somehow somehow we came back and 
you know, won that game. But, you know, I and I know this, this debate goes on all the time, but if you really go back and you even, you even talk to, to, to the 2005 team, some of the members, if they are really honest, they'll tell you, no, nah, we couldn't beat them. Well, there, there's would. an awful lot more professional experience with the 89 team than with – although Darren had a wonderful career, but uh, – the NBA experience was much greater uh, with the 1989 team. And I, and I did vote for the 89 team in this thing, but I see that the 2005 team is going to win the vote. I mean, it's going to be a pretty clear cut, I think. Well, I, they, can, they, they, can, they, can, they can win the vote, but it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 I, and I wish we could go back and play that game we did, because we'd answer all questions by halftime. I don't think, uh, Lord, I don't think you surprised Kendall with that question. <laughs> he was ready for that one. <laughs> I got one for you, Kendall. Uh, I've never asked you this, but uh, you're on the list of a lot of people's favorite Illinois basketball players. Have you ever thought about who – some of the favorite guys or some of the best guys in your mind are maybe a 13-man roster. Uh, if you don't have time to go through that, I understand. But uh, I kind of uh, tipped you off earlier this week. We we're going to talk along those lines. But yeah, yeah, yeah. what did you come up with? Well, I, I came up with my list, and I have it here. I was ready for you to call. So uh, my list is similar to yours with the exception of a couple names. But I have Nick Anderson, D. Brown, Bruce Douglas, Dave Downey, Don Freeman, Derek Harper, uh, Eddie Johnson, Ken Norman, Andy Phillips, Deion Thomas, Darren Williams, Kenny Battle, and a guy by the name of Kendall Gill. I don't know who that guy is. But. Well, he's got to be on there. And I also, yeah, we uh, we differ just a little bit. I I had Bruce Douglas just outside of mine, and that was a tough call for me because oh, I, Bruce Douglas, yeah, that, that's, I, I think he's got to be there. But if, if if you're talking about one of your favorite players, he'd be he'd certainly sure. be that. Whether he was the best, I mean, he was the best in terms of assists and, and uh, steals. Yep, we were close. I had uh, I may have adjusted mine a, a, a little bit since I told Kendall, but uh, I've got Nick Anderson, D Brown. John Kerr, Dave Downey, Andy Phillip, Don Freeman, Kendall Gill, Derek Harper, Eddie Johnson, Ken Norman, Deion Thomas, and a pair of Williams. Okay. Darren and Frank. Frank yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 a good, that's a good call. It is kind of something to think about during the, during, uh, when there's no sports going on. And well, I'll, tell you yeah, what's, yeah. I'll tell you what's harder, and I haven't attacked this yet. Come up with an all-time starting five. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be tough. That's tough. Well, Kendall, we'll let yeah, you no. we'll let you go, but uh, yeah. we appreciate your time, and always good to catch up with you. And uh, hey. ho- hopefully, we'll be talking about games again. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know what? I just thought about, and, and I'm, this is going back to the 2005-89 team. I can't get off of this yet. <laughs> are you going to tell me? Are you going to tell me Luther Head is going to guard Nick Anderson all game long? Not all game long. That's for sure. Really. He couldn't guard him at all. I mean, you talk about Nick Anderson, 6'6", 230. Luther Head is 6'3", what, 195? Yep. No, Come it's on, a, guys. It's a definite, <laughs> a definite uh, uh, matchup issue. You've got Augustine, who was a fine player, but uh, he's going to have trouble with Augustine's going to uh, guard Kenny Battle? Or Lowell Hamilton, Seriously? yeah. Roger yeah. Powell, who, who's Roger going to guard? Yeah, it's... Well, the only real advantage they had is at point. I mean, Darren Williams is the best player um, at that point position and uh, probably the best player that Illinois has ever had, I suppose, if you consider his pro career, although his, 
his college career, he only played three years, and as a freshman, he was, you know, marginally good, but he wasn't great at that point. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going. I'm going strictly off of college. I agree that Jaron has the most accolades as a pro, but um, in college, he was he was he was good, but he didn't really take off until he got into the pros with the Olympics and the all-star team and all that stuff. That's right. I actually think the best player in in Illinois history is Nick Anderson. I do, well, too. I've always kind of leaned that way. I, yeah. I have. I do, too. And he only played two years, but uh, he's and only played two years. He's certainly the best player I ever covered or I ever saw in person at, at the right. collegiate level. And he went on to have a fine career in the NBA as well. But uh, you got to uh, – after the show today, we're here on WDWS. We're going to replay the uh, – 2005 Illinois Arizona uh, regional final game. Ed Bond sent me a text and said, uh, "Kendall's fired up. Maybe we ought to replay the uh, Syracuse game from '89 <laughs> somewhere along the way. No. We just might do that. Hey, what, a, what a finish in hey, that game! Play it. Yeah, all the finish was was crazy, man. I mean, it, please play it. Please let all these people know they're not aware of the '89 team. What we were all about. <laughs> we might just do that, Kendall. Great to talk to you, all my right. friend, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Okay. All right, thank you. You bet. That's Kendall Gill with us from uh, Chicago. Appreciate uh, his comments. That was a, a fun segment. 927, we'll talk some more basketball. Joe Hendrickson from the uh, City Suburban Hoops Report. He's out with his All-State team. We'll talk about that and some other issues as well. All along, we've got the phone line open if you'd like to join us. If you're working on your list, uh, we'll uh, find a time to, to work some of your thoughts in if you'd like to. If not, no big deal. We'll find something else to talk about on the line. I tell us Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. 931 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Illini I tell us Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line open, 356-9397. Thanks to Kendall Gill for spending about uh, 20 minutes uh, with us, reminiscing about uh, Illinois basketball and uh, the Flying Illini and the 05 team as well. We got uh, Joe Hendrickson on the line with us from uh, Chicago Sun-Times City uh, Suburban Hoops Report. And, Joe, we got Kendall fired up when the uh, Twitter vote that's out there now, which team was better, the 05 Final Four team or the Flying Illini, of course, as you might guess, uh, in his mind, it was a no-brainer. <laughs> what do you think about that, Joe? Yeah, that's been a debate, you know, among Illinois fans, just basketball fans in the state for a while. And particularly when that season was going on, I tended to side with the Flying Illini, um, you know, with, with Kendall and Nick and Kenny Battle, and um, partly because I think. I think the biggest thing that is kind of underrated is just what college basketball was like then yeah. in comparison to 2005. So everybody was staying for the most part. Everybody was around at least until their junior. They were grown men in the, in the late eighties. You know, that was about the time where we started to see, you know, um, this mass departure of top talent at younger ages. So, I just think the landscape of college basketball was unbelievable in the 80s and throughout the 90s, and then it started to taper off there, and, and that's why we get the edge to, to that team. And where is it, Joe, going from here? Where is college basketball going from here? With The transfer thing, I guess, has been pushed back from April. The decision has been pushed back from April to June, but we know it's coming where they're going to be immediately eligible. And it just, just seems like already we have over 500 uh, transfers and we're not even through what would be the normal uh, length of the tournament uh, and and it just looks like guys are leaving left and right and the small schools are just going to 
get wiped out, aren't they? Yeah, it's been an endless conversation and dialogue with myself and coaches, college coaches, talking about it uh, over the weeks and months. And, and the, what's about to hit is going to be, in college basketball, something we've never seen um, because it's just going to – especially those first couple of years, I think, and then it might settle down a little bit, but it's going to be a free-for-all. And I, there's really, other than granting – you know the option to players to to move and the flexibility and and uh, not hindering their movement. I, there's not a ton of positives with it. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's it, you know people will say, well, can the lower levels, you know, the low majors and mid majors, then they can easily draft players from the high majors and it all wash out. I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I mean, I I, I just think it's going to be unbelievably difficult it already is hard for a low major and mid major to not just have one great season but any kind of continued success and if these low major and mid major coaches are going to who obviously aren't making the money that you know they're still decent compensated but i mean they're not making anything near the high majors but if they're going to be firing guys after four years and five years and under these circumstances i mean that's 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 unbelievable to think because they're not going to be able to keep guys. They're, they're, they're going to get their, their steal. They're going to get their star. They're going to probably be able to ride them for a year, maybe two, and they're going to be gone. You know, uh, it'll be a rare situation where a kid wants to stay put at the school that he's, that he went because they all want to play at a higher level. You know, the thing that, that amazes me is I run down Jeff Goodman's list of the 500 and some players that have, already announced they're in the portal, of course, uh, is the number of double-figure scoring. In other words, guys that were high scorers on their, high sc- on their, on their college teams are leaving. I, I mean, where is, is, is there no loyalty left in, in the world today in, in terms of college basketball? Well, I think it's, don't you kind of think it's our culture and society as a whole nowadays? I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to blame AAU uh, entirely for this. Um, there are some very good things that have come out of AAU basketball, but it's not a coincidence that a lot of this, you know, transferring really ramped up, you know, 15 years ago, 20, right when it became AAU became such a prevalent part of, of high school basketball. And if anybody who follows that AAU scene knows that, that that's what it is, they jump around, team to team I don't like I'm not getting an opportunity here or I'm not getting enough love here or I'm not um, I'm not being profiled enough here or I'm just going to switch and then we've seen that I mean it just translated into the high school game over the last you know 10 to 15 years there's always been transfers in high school basketball but not at the rate that we've seen uh, over the last you know 10 15 years uh, and now you see it just kind of trickle into college basketball and you know, I, I I don't know the exact year where it started exploding, uh, but you know it wasn't. You know, there weren't seven, eight hundred transfers, uh, six hundred transfers um, in a year. You know, twenty years ago. So, I, I just think it all kind of comes with what we've seen and how it's uh, come together with from AAU to high school to college, and and, and to a degree. I mean, you can look at the NBA. I mean, it, um, you know, Carl Malone, John Stockton. Uh, uh, Patrick Ewing, Michael Jordan, you know, these, Hakeem Olajuwon, they, they were guys that stayed with their 
teams and the, those Celtics teams and Lakers, they didn't fly around. And that that's that's not either here nor there as far as right or wrong, but um, it, it's just the way it is right now. I want to talk to you about uh, All-State teams. You're involved with the Sun-Times, obviously, uh, the All-State team. You've got Mr. Basketball. You've got your All-State team. Uh, you got Sun. Talk about that and talk about Adam Miller. I think he's a two-time Gatorade uh, player of the year in, in Illinois, but uh, not necessarily uh, rated ahead of Stewart uh, otherwise. Talk, talk about that. Yeah, I mean, everybody has their opinion. I mean, I, I think it was a pretty strong consensus that everybody believed that uh, D.J. Stewart was the – the best high school basketball player in Illinois this year. You know, he was my player of the year, uh, the city of suburban hoops report. And then, well, I, yeah, I vote for the sun times and, and he was the sun times player of the year and he's added other player of the years as well. But, uh, you know, those were the top two players. I mean, in the state, you know, as seniors and, um, there can only be one of them, <laughs> you know? So, uh, DJ had a great season and, uh, I think he's, to me, he's a more all-around player uh, than anybody else in that class, you know, as far as uh, what he brings to the table in terms of not just scoring. And I'm talking about everything, intangibles at all. I mean, he is uh, he is the ultimate team guy uh, in addition to being a superstar. Has there been a Mr. Basketball chosen this year? Uh, not, you know, it's Tribune runs that, oh, okay. uh, not, to, not to my knowledge. And I have, it's weird. I'm, I, I'm, because I haven't heard much about it. So yeah, I haven't either. That's what I, 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 I certainly, certainly hope, you know, that there is one because I mean, I would assume that there will be, um, that thing, you know, it's different, obviously with everything that happened. If you remember, I mean, that usually did come out in April in the past, mm-hmm. um, but that was also when the season didn't end so abruptly and so quickly. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure of that. What would you think? And, there, and, and, and there's a lot of questions. You know, a lot of people have asked because regular people that vote haven't voted. So it, it's, a, it's a little bit concerning. I know this isn't possible, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. What would you think of completing the high school basketball tournament late summer, early fall, if it, if it was possible to return by then? The high school tournament? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the seniors will be gone. And, right. You know, late, you know, so that's, yeah. I mean, well, it's high school. I mean, once they go away and, and you know, shut, close up shop, yeah, it's done. It's over. Um, it, well, it, I brought it, it up because it a lot of spring sports are, and there's some consideration to playing spring sports in the fall. And I, I think that would be possible. Of course, you you have the problem of, You'd have different teams <laughs> then. Right. But you could have a, a champion because there's nothing going on during the weekdays of the fall, and it's good weather. Good for baseball. I yeah. know that. Yeah, you lose all those seniors, though, so it doesn't uh, kind of hold water, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, there's some states that play their, their baseball in the summer, um, high school, but uh, there's just a lot of unknown out there still. We're talking uh, basketball with Joe Henriksen from the uh, City Suburban Hoops Report, cshoopsreport.com, on Twitter, at Joe Hoops Report. And, uh, Joe, tell us more about Adam Miller. You've probably seen him certainly more than, uh, uh, no probably about it, you've seen him certainly more than uh, Lauren and I, and uh, probably more than just about anybody else. Tell us uh, what kind of player Illinois is getting in him. Now they're getting a guy that kind of fits a need for them, and that's perimeter shooting. 
you know, if you watched Illinois and, and you had to pinpoint one of those weaknesses and those stretches when they would have uh, some poor shooting games or stretches in the season, you know, kind of able the ability to space the floor uh, for Io to create space for Kofi and Georgie in the interior. So I, I think that's what his biggest value is coming to Illinois next year will be is just his ability to stretch the floor make shots at a high rate. He's a, a terrific shooter with unlimited range. Uh, and he has size to get a shot off. He's a confident player. Uh, so I, I think that in itself will be the one area that he will immediately be able to help Illinois. And, you know, his shooting percentages, whether it be in the Nike EYBL circuit or with his high school team, <clears throat> you know, probably aren't, don't necessarily say pure true shooter, but, with so many defensive tagging him and, and, and gimmick defenses and, you know, shot selection will be better in college, his, his shot selection, which will translate to a higher percentage. So terrific three-point shooter with size, big, strong body. He's got a college-ready body in terms of, you know, he, well, if they can get on campus in June. You know what I mean? If he, if he were to get on campus in June and work from June till November – uh, it would do a lot for his strength and body and because he's got a gr- good frame. Uh, he's still uh, developing. I shouldn't say developing. It's kind of revert back to what he was. He was a very good passer early in his career and could see the floor, some natural passing instincts. I think that went away a little bit during his junior-senior year, partly because he was forced to score the ball a lot. you know. And, and But if he could become more of a true combo guard and and he'll play some point guard, but I mean, just, you know, when you're watching him and you're like, okay, you know, you, you see that value in him being able to play both guard spots at a high effective rate. He has to make people better around him. Do you think uh, with the delay in all sports activities and sports related things like the draft and such, do you think that will have any effect on Io DeSumo's decision? I, I, I am not the one to ask on that. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I, NBA scouts, um, it's, it's amazing the amount of homework and detail that goes into NBA scouting. I mean, to the point where they'll call a high school people. They'll, you know, I talk to NBA scouts about like Ayala Sumo. Just that they, they do. They, they every stone, you know, they, they uncover. And uh, I just as probably other people have, have gotten feedback. Um, you know, the five or six that I've spoken with are there's a wide range of opinions um, on where Iowa would go in the draft. But for me to know, or, I mean, I, my gut and from everything I've gathered and heard is I, I, be, I, I just can't see him coming back, but we'll see. You see uh, expanded use, uh, and maybe that's the wrong word, expanded use of the G League for players like Iowa. Well, I think that's a growing trend that we don't that is talked about a little bit in the basketball world. Is the kids don't, you know, it used to be the college basketball was the developmental league, basically. You know, if you really look at it, and what we haven't we haven't talked a lot about is the the money financial factor. No, they're not getting rich um, immediately, but a growing trend has been you know what, I don't care. I just want to get paid. <clears throat> I want to get paid a little bit for the game I'm playing. And so we've seen 
you know, as an example, a local kid last year, Taylor Horton Tucker uh, from Simeon, who went to Iowa State and played a year. Was he ready for the NBA? Probably not, you know. And but and I think the, you know, the feedback players like him receive was, no, you're not ready. But they don't care, you know. If they're going to be picked and they got a chance to go make some money, they're going to go make money. Now that's not across the board, but you're seeing more and more uh, young basketball players think in that way in those terms than we did even five, six, seven years ago. Well, even somebody like Edwards from Purdue, who <clears> has <throat> been up and down in the league this year and in the G League part of the time, he's receiving over a million dollars a year for three years. That's not a that's not. I'd love to receive a million dollars in a year. I think I could get by with that. I mean, that's pretty good pay. If Io could go 35th, let's say, where some people are picking him right at the beginning of the second round, he's still going to get paid. You know, I think he will. I mean, it isn't guaranteed, but he he could probably work out a contract of a million or more per year for three years. Oh, yeah, no question. And, you know, and we talking about – I'm talking about the mindset of, uh, you know, players changing. It's also changed with – the NBA over the years. I mean, the NBA, they, you know, you think about two decades. We talk about those the era, you know, the '80s and '90s. They weren't they weren't drafting young guys. Uh, they didn't they didn't want to develop them. Now it's completely. I mean, it's a 180 degree turn. You know, in, in 25 years, now they have no qualms, no problems of taking a younger kid, much like they do in baseball, and wait their time and draft them and and be able to stash them away and and let them develop. So. That that's completely changed too the the culture of the NBA. Well, I was, I was going to mention that uh, every major every NBA team I say every almost every has a G League sub team, and that they can send players down back and forth, which was not the case even three years ago. Uh, they they've all taken on an affiliate, and it's almost like the minor leagues of baseball, where team you know a. Uh, uh, Let's say that uh, the Bulls want to have a player that they, they don't think – well, they don't want this guy – this guy's a good prospect, but we don't want to set him on the bench. So you send him down, let him play for a while, and then bring him back up. That wasn't possible a few years ago. Right. I mean, it, it, like you said, it, it, it's becoming more and more – I mean, it's not full-fledged minor league baseball system, but there is an opportunity to do that. And, you know, they were doing that, not in the regard we're talking about, but they would – you know, do that with international players, you know, a decade or two ago, where they would, you know, draft. You remember the Bulls and Tony Kukoc and drafted and waited, and so you have those rights. So they would, you know, in the NBA with teams that had in the latter part of that first round, you know, or a player wasn't impactful right away, they would take a flyer on an international player, stash them in, in Europe for a year or two or three, and, and um, now we can see that, filtered into the, the college game with what they're doing with college players. Very similar. Hey, Joe, we appreciate your time. Uh, sometime we all look forward to when the games will resume. We just don't know when that is. But thanks for taking time uh, and uh, talking hoops with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. Thanks, Joe. Joe Hendrickson with us from uh, City Suburban Hoops Report in Chicago. Again, his uh, the website is cshoopsreport.com. You can follow him on Twitter at, at Joe Hoops Report 949 Got a little open line segment if you'd like to join us after this timeout on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're rolling along on a Saturday morning, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 9.52. 
with you until 11. Our guests so far have been Kendall Gill and Joe Hendrickson. Coming up in the second hour, Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis. We'll talk some baseball with him. And Travis Tate at 1030. We'll talk some NBA. Lauren's got his heavy-duty bottle of scrubbing bubbles along with him <laughs> here in the studio on this Saturday morning. Scrubbing bubbles. Pass those around before we're done. Uh, Lauren and I are six feet apart, by the way, in case you were wondering about that. Let's go to Eric. He's on the uh, line with us. Good morning, Eric. Hey, good morning, fellas. Thanks for still doing the show. It's a, it's a nice respite from everything else that's going on. Um, you know, you guys are talking about golf, and that that's really kind of baffling because of all the things we could do, keep your sanity and whatnot, that seems to be about the safest thing that could be done outside for some exercise. And If people would whatnot. do it properly. But soon as you as soon as they're allowed to go out there, the guys are – sitting around a table all drinking beer all patting each other on the back and i mean it's just they weren't they, i just don't i think that the the governor got word uh, that people weren't handling properly and some of the courses were not handling properly in the way they did it you were supposed to have no contact yeah. inside the, mm-hmm. the inside doors were locked you would have to um, make a tea time and pay online or if you're a season pass holder somewhere you would have to be acknowledged by the by the folks in the pro shop looking out the window. Not all courses did that. Some, I'm told, well, s- sold beer. Some let carts out. And uh, oh man, that that did if it. You, if you really want to play, drive 45 minutes to Indiana. It's still open over there in Missouri too. Well, there's a bit of thought about that. I saw that Missouri is open, and uh, I guess mm-hmm. I did. They ever close Missouri at all? Golf courses? Nope. No. no. Okay. Missouri. Missouri's up in and so is Indiana. That that course at uh, Purdue is about the best in the whole Midwest. So. It is, and there's a, there's one even closer at uh, uh, not as good a course, but uh, certainly a, an okay course at Rivercrest, just there in Covington, Indiana. There you go. That's just a thought for uh, keeping everybody's spirits up. Yep, I appreciate that. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. All right, bye. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. Marty in Pinehurst is with us as usual on a Saturday morning. Hey, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. How you guys doing? We're hanging in there. Okay, a uh, few things. Number one, I totally agree with Lauren and with Kendall Gill. Although I love the 2005 team, they they don't match up talent-wise with what you had on the 89 team, nor was the bench anywhere close. You know, Small, Smith, Liberty would have started for most teams in the country without question. So not, not a contest there. I mean, might have been a decent game, but they got too much firepower, and I I couldn't see who's going to guard Battle, who's going to guard Nick Anderson. That would have been a nightmare for him, let alone Gill. Anyway, on to other things. Um, Lauren, I sent you an email. I'm thinking something to fill time, especially since you're not doing the sports talk shows. That sound like on the weeknights. Uh, a great opportunity for the sports writers and super fans around the area to take each local team and have a uh, first and second team in basketball, the top 11 football players of all time, maybe the top five all-around athletes of all time at each high school in the area uh, because you've got knowledge that uh, is still around of, of way back. Uh, you could get fans involved. Each night could be each school's night to, shoot things back and forth might be a lot of fun might make some good articles too by the way that's too bad emil hess and not still oh, around God. guys that covered the preps like that over the years that lou engel yeah lou lou engel, definitely emil would hess. lou engel's still around but he's not in, in these parts 
He's out yeah, west now. I, uh, Emo was great. I mean, I, I, my first year of coaching, we were a three and four team or four and three team. We went into the inaugural Shiloh Holiday tournament. Um, uh, Dave Dobson, who'd been at Monticello, was down there and kind of modeled it after the Monticello Holiday tournament. And uh, we ended up winning it four straight. And he came up to me and, "How do you go from this to this?" And I said. Well, Emil, there's a lot of luck involved in things. And I had a player that got really hot. <laughs> and he said, well, that's an honest answer. I thought you were going to say it was coaching. I said, no, it definitely wasn't coaching, Emil. He was just a joy to work with. He was a joy. Marty, got some um, other calls uh, hanging. What else you got real quick? Um, ask Ackerman what these roster moves mean that they made uh, a couple days ago. That's on the list. We appreciate All it. Right. Thanks, Marty. All right, bye-bye. Good to hear from you. Let's go to uh, Mark. Calling uh, from Florida. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, good morning. I was listening to the uh, debate about the uh, 89 and 2005 team, and and I saw that on Twitter where, I mean, it wasn't even close. I think it was like when I looked at it, it was 66% to 34% of the old 5 team. And I agree with Kendall because, of course, I saw both of those teams a lot. And uh, the 89 team would mop the floor with the 2005 team. And I love that 2005 team. Don't get me wrong, but. It would not be close. Yeah, Lauren and I covered both of them, and we we totally agree with that. I think people that uh, that really saw both of uh, those teams, and I think Lauren was right. A lot of the, well, the vote gotta, for the '05 team was it was uh, a different generation of folks. And, absolutely, uh, and it's more recent, certainly. But you got to remember, they yeah. won they won twenty nine games in a row. Yes, and the big and the nineteen eighty nine team didn't even win the Big Ten. They they. Right. They lost four games in the Big Ten uh, season. Indiana won the Big Ten uh, title, and Michigan won the NCAA title. (laughs) So the talent was a lot better all the way around in those days, Uh, you know. And I think that's why we uh, that's why we lean that way. Oh, absolutely. But also, you know, another example of this is when they were counting down the greatest players of all time in college basketball on ESPN. They're doing those brackets. I haven't really followed it closely, but I followed it closely enough to see Zion Williamson defeated uh, Christian Leitner. What a joke. Christian Leitner is probably one of the three best all-time college basketball players as far as career goes. Yeah, well, that's the problem when doing this. Is uh, As we mentioned, Darren, uh, Kendall Gill is an example. Kendall Gill didn't have a very good freshman year. No, he couldn't <laughs> he, throw in the ocean. He, the last 13 games, right. he was he was really in trouble. That, but he came back and had a great career after that. And then when he was a senior, he returned as a senior. When Nick didn't, they were in the same class. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kendall led the Big Ten in scoring the very na- as a senior. So yeah, I'm I mean, ask you one. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I want to ask you one more. If you had to rank the point guards just the point guards at Illinois, and I only started watching Illinois in 80. But how would you rank them? And where would I fit? And in my mind, I don't have anything against Iowa, but he wouldn't be in the top ten. Well, he's not a point guard. Yeah, that's true. He's not a true point guard. Well, you got Derek Harper. Yeah. You got Darren. You got Frank Williams. Uh, Who am I missing there, Lauren, as far as the top ones? Bruce Douglas, Kwan Garris. Yeah, that's two more. I'd put those guys. I'd put those guys ahead of Io. You come up with a pretty good five-man roster with just guards, yeah. just point guards. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I got, guys. Thank okay, you. good stuff, Mark. We appreciate the call for Florida. Let's go to Princeton, Illinois, and Steve. Hey, Steve. 
Yeah, I was just wondering, you've been mentioning D. Brown's name, and I think he was on the staff at UIC this past year. Yeah, he's on there. Their new coach this year, do you think he'll be retained? Sure don't know. I saw a tweet from D. Brown um, welcoming the hire of their their coach. Now, I don't know if he did that as a— Wouldn't you do that? I would do that, too. (laughs) I don't know if he did that uh, knowing uh, something or trying to find out something. I don't know what the situation— We'll look into that and see what we can find out. I don't know if if, uh, the new coach has named his staff yet. They haven't announced anything yet. Yeah. Anything else, Steve? No, I just we're familiar with Luke Yachtlich up here. He grew up in LaSalle, Peru. Right, right. Had a good career up here and everything. And so, but I I just knew that D Brown was on that staff, and I hadn't seen anything yet, and um, so forth. And I just wondered if you'd heard anything. Have not, but we'll look into it. It wouldn't be a terrible move to keep a guy like D Brown on your staff uh, on a Chicago school, I wouldn't think. But uh, as D tries to uh, work his way up the coaching ladder, Steve, we appreciate the call. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Three five six nine three nine seven is our number. It is ten oh one WDWS Champaign Urbana. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Hour number two is coming up. We'll talk some baseball with Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis after this. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397. Or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. And welcome back to the show, everybody. Hour number two at 10.05. We're heading towards 11 o'clock here on News Talk 1400 DWS. A reminder, coming up after our show, a rebroadcast of the 2005 Regional Final title game between Illinois and Arizona. And Illinois stormed back in the final four, almost five minutes of that ball game and won it in overtime at Allstate Arena in Chicago to move into the uh, final four. That uh, rebroadcast will come up at 11 o'clock or shortly thereafter after we're done here on Saturday Sports Talk. Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis joins us. Good morning, Tom. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you doing? We're doing good, trying to do uh, some of the same things uh, you guys are doing at KMOX, uh, keep sports shows going when there's no games going on. It's uh, uh, a bit of a challenge, but uh, kind of fun, too. Yeah, you know, it is. I mean, uh, look, um, you know, we're, we're everybody, I think, is trying to make the best of a situation, and that's really what we're doing over here. I mean, here in St. Louis, this town is uh, – just like where you are and for our listeners who are from Chicago and everybody listening right now, this, this area of the country is sports heavy. I think that, you know, sports are a way of life in many parts of the country, but to us who grew up in the Midwest, you know, especially this time of year, this is our time, right? I mean, Illinois was no question going to be a factor in the NCAA tournament. They had a team that was set up to be really good. I think the Cardinals had a chance to be really good. I think the Cubs did. Um, you know, so this is a time of year where we would be enjoying those things today. The Cardinals would be into their season. The Cubs would. The, the college basketball season would be. We'd be finding out today uh, part of our Elite Eight. So we miss that. But I think we also accept the fact that we are in an unprecedented moment in time, and all of us 
have to play a part together to get back to that world that we know of gathering together, cheering on our sports teams. And when we do get back to that world, it's going to be amazing. But we'll all have to play a part together now to make this happen. So it's kind of like we're all going through different emotions. We know our responsibility, but it's okay to be a little sad and a little, you know, uh, sentimental right now because you miss those things. And that's where the throwback sports play a huge role right now. I mean, I sat there, and and, uh, I can talk about what we're doing on KMOX right now, playing old Cardinals games, and I'll get into that. But, you know, I I haven't done a lot of this because I've been hanging out with the family a lot. But the last two nights, I allowed myself to reminisce. So two nights ago, I sat down and I – because I heard the Indiana-Duke 2002 uh, NCAA tournament game was on TV. And I started getting into it, and I got nervous. I mean, we're down 14 in the second half. Can we come back? Can we can we topple the number one team in the country? I was really into it. And then last night, I watched the Blues-Dallas Stars game from the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs last year where the Blues won in double overtime. And, oh, my gosh, did, did the Blues almost lose that, like, <laughs> 20 different times. So it was uh, – it was. I, I kind of got that feeling back of, you know, why we love sports so much because it plays with our emotions, and I escaped into that world for a little while. It's quite nice. For those of you that may not know, Tom Ackerman is a proud graduate of Indiana University. That's why he was saying uh, uh, <laughs> he was getting nervous watching that ball game. And uh, you've been playing some, uh, some Cardinal games. I, I enjoyed – uh, the tweets from Jack Flaherty this week on opening day when he got pretty creative. I don't know if he's doing this on his own or what, but he would say at 4 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever it was, I'm, I'm having a pregame meal. Then then he'd come up with, and now's the time I'd be uh, you know, heading to warm up, and there would be a picture of him heading uh, to the bullpen. There was a picture of him and Yachty walking in from the bullpen. At this time, we would be coming in to get ready for the, the opening start. I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, you know, what what is great about Jack is he really connects with the fans very well because he is a fan himself. He is, since he was a little boy, a huge, huge sports fan. And and so I think he understands how special that is for everybody. And, and he wants you to sort of know, understand that he misses it too. These ballplayers really miss it. And I think they, they're for two reasons. One, they miss the competition and the camaraderie among their own uh, fans, uh, their own teammates, and they miss that competition and what that feels like to go up against the best. But they also want to entertain us. They really do. And they know that that's their, their role is to be our distraction on a daily basis. So we, that we watch them, and, and it takes us away from some of the things that might be bothering us. So that they really want to play. And but but again, they understand the the spot that, that we're in also. So Jack is so good at, uh, and he's he's so wise for for young man. He's only twenty four years old, but he he really understands the game and and kind of where we are today as a society. And and he uses social media extremely well to take us into his world. Visiting with Tom Ackerman, KMOX in St. Louis. The Cardinals made some roster moves uh, or announced some roster moves, kind of in in the timing of uh, what would have been opening day. Your take on that and the moves themselves, anything there surprise you? And uh, I guess I'll start with why did they decide to go ahead and make that announcement then? 
Well, I mean, they're they're kind of trimming the roster here just to, uh, as it would have been this time of year, I guess. So, you know, that would have been opening day on Thursday, so you have to get your roster down to a certain point. Now, um, Alex Reyes, and I'm doing this by memory here because there have been so many, but I think there were four the other day, Henesis Cabrera, Alex Reyes, Andrew Kisner, and there was one more, I think, on that list. But anyway... Maybe Junior Fernandez, I think, was the fourth one. But you know, these are pretty uh, pretty standard that you would get yourself into a, into a twenty five, twenty six man roster. Now, I saw when the Cardinals made that move on Twitter that immediately the fans are like, "Ooh, Dylan Carlson! Dylan Carlson! Does that mean he made the team?" No, I mean Dylan Carlson is not on the forty man. Um, so right now, you know, I think. It is definitely a wait and see on him anyway. It's going to come down to this. The Cardinals are going to make the best moves for 2020, whenever that does start. And whatever the best 26-man roster is, they're going to they're going to go with. And knowing that they have incredible depth down in Memphis. And when it comes to Dylan Carlson, he's going to have to be one of the best three outfielders. In my mind, if he's one of the best three outfielders, I think he's got to be with the team because then he plays every day. If he's not one of the best three outfielders, then he's got to be in Memphis. He can't be the fourth. He has to be top three because he's got to play all the time. And so that'll be a decision they'll have to make, but I'm not I'm not really sure when that is going to be because I don't know when the baseball season will begin or when spring training will even begin for that matter. But, um, you know, based on performance – in spring training, we saw some really good stuff. I think some patience is required on some of the younger players. And when we get to the point where we're ready to start baseball again, I feel very confident that the Cardinals have a lot of depth and a lot of youth that they're going to be able to choose from. This team's going to be good for a while. Tom, I've got multiple questions for you. You mentioned when they return to spring training. How long is it going to take to get these pitchers ready, especially – and then what, in your mind, would be a satisfactory number of games to play to make it a season? Two very, great, very, very good questions. I'll handle the first one first, and that would be how long would spring training be? Based on the discussion when I was down in Jupiter, there was kind of a, a, a consensus that a condensed spring training, two and a half weeks, might be enough for them. Now, that would require pitchers right now to continue to work out, to each have their own individual plan based on their body, the, the confidence that they will be able to listen to their body and understand, you know, what, they, what it needs, whether it, it needs to, you know, whether they need to throw, continue to, to stay warm. One thing that I can tell you is these players will be in excellent physical condition. They are going to be physically in shape and ready to play. It comes down to in pitching mechanics, throwing, how you feel, and in hitting timing. So if they're able to get into any sort of swing in the bat, timing, that kind of thing, that's going to help. Will two and a half weeks of spring training be enough for them? I think so. For pitchers, you know, that's a, a little more delicate of course because especially in, in starting pitchers you got to stay into a routine. Uh, would that would it be better to have a little bit more time? I don't know. Would you invite pitchers to come back? Would you do like you do before? Pitchers and catchers arrive first, and then the position player second. 
all of that I think is still very much up in the air. How long of a baseball season are we talking about? Gosh, that's so hard to say. I mean, I think half of a season, 80-something games, would probably be enough. But can you get a little deeper into the calendar year if you started, let's say, sometime in the summer? Could you expand into November and even December if you started moving things into other venues, neutral sites for the postseason? Right, that's what I was going to ask you about neutral sites. What's your thought about playing playoff games, you know, uh, leading up to the World Series in neutral sites? Uh, I think I'm okay with it. I think I'm okay with it. I, I, I would, of course, prefer everything to be in the home ballparks, but this is a different scenario that we're in. This is a unique situation. So, you know, are you able to, if we get this thing back to where you play, in warm weather or domed uh, stadiums and you can logistically do it and have a plan. If, if everybody agrees if the owners and the players agree, I, I think that you do it. I think that the fans will, will do what they can to be there. But to me, you know, above all, Lauren, the importance here is the safety of everybody. Players, staff, yes, but fans absolutely as well. Yeah. This is the, this game is for the fans. This game is about the fans. This game is about, you know, baseball has many generations following it and, and going to games together. We have to make sure that everybody is safe and that security and safety is, and health are the top priorities. So that's where we go, and, and that's, what, that's what has to be top of mind here. So I, don't, I guess so the answer to that would be, you know, when do we start? When is it safe? How do we do it? Is it is it even possible that you could end up playing games in front of no fans? That's something that Adam Wainwright suggested as he walked out of the facility a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, there's no right answer here right now because we don't there's so much uncertainty surrounding COVID-19 and its spread and and how much of a handle we have on it. Um, and in different geographical areas too. I mean, there are some areas of the country where it's spreading rapidly. There's some areas of the country where it's not spreading as rapidly, and what does that mean? So there, there's still a lot uh, in terms of a global and domestic pan- pandemic that's just way above baseball right now. But, um, you know, I mean, of course, we all want a baseball season. I would love baseball. I realize how much – I'm a baseball lifer, that's for sure, but now I realize even more how much I miss it and how much it's, it's part of my life. But um, family and, and health and safety come first. Did you see um, Agent Scott Boris's plan to have the World Series go all the way up to Christmas? I did see that, and that would require some, um, you know, venues that, like we said, are yeah. are a little more weather-friendly. So we're talking about whether it's Miller Park in Milwaukee because they have a roof or Marlins Park in Miami because it's warm and they have a roof or spring training sites or all those. I think he mentioned all the spots out in California and out west. But... Um, you know, it's that it's a plan. I'm glad that they have worked hard on it, but a lot has to happen. You got to have Major League Baseball owners and the MLBPA agreeing on everything that goes into it. And again, the you have to listen to the medical experts and our government officials as to what's right, because you're talking about moving around a lot of people into a lot of different places, and we don't know right now 
what's uh, what's best and what's safe. But I'm I'm glad that the discussion is happening. Have you wrapped around uh, your brain the idea that there may not be a baseball season at all, and some people think there might not be football in the fall either? Um, I have prepared myself for that. I haven't gone so far as to think that nothing will happen this year, but I. But yeah, I mean, because we're here we are right now experiencing it at this moment is there's nothing going on. So what would life be like without sports for a year? Well, you know, if that's what it takes to, to keep this away from everybody, that means also that concerts and festivals and right. packed restaurants and packed transportation hubs and all of those things are on hiatus. So that, that, that kind of, for me, all lumps together. So I think also, you know, like I have tickets to a concert this summer at Red Rocks in Colorado because, A, I'm a huge music fan, and, B, I've never been to Red Rocks. I bought them months ago. Well, you know, that concert could very well be canceled. And yeah. so that's that, that was, and it was on my birthday, and, you know, that's great. Uh, but I will gladly uh, take the refund and wait for everything to get better because when it does come back that's going to be an incredible show and when we do have a baseball season it is going to be amazing so i would rather wait and make sure everything is okay and so that when we come back we don't come back tentative or we don't come back not really sure what to do that when we come back, whatever sport this is, we come back and it is amazing because it will be when we finally get it all right and understand where we are in a society. When when sports come back, they're going to be incredible, and uh, that's that's kind of what I woke up thinking about today. Let's make sure we do our part. When when it all comes back, it will be spectacular. And hopefully, Can you imagine uh, the first. Yeah. First opening day in baseball, oh my gosh. Yeah, hope- the, the next NCAA tournament, oh man, we will never take a bounce of the ball for granted. It'll be awesome. Hopefully uh, we're talking about that uh, very thing sometime soon, and you're doing the same on sports on a Sunday morning at KMOX. You're chugging along with that, right? Uh, yes, we are. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so two things. One I mentioned this earlier in the interview. So we do, we are carrying Cardinals games every night. So for people that don't know, we carry a 2011 baseball game every night. We started on Monday airing the August 25th game when the Cardinals played the Pirates and they were 10 and a half games out of a wild card spot. So we every single night on KMOX and noon on Sundays, we're playing a Cardinals game and actually throughout the Cardinals radio network, we're playing a Cardinals game win or lose from that season, from that point forward, and Game 7 of the World Series is May 11th. That's a spoiler alert for anybody <laughs> who doesn't know how the season turns out. So that's what we're doing, and that's and we've had a huge response from that. Um, people have really felt, and it doesn't matter necessarily whether they win or lose the game. People just like hearing Mike Shannon and John Rooney at the sound of the ballpark in the background. It's been very soothing and comforting to people, and just that gives them a little slice of, normalcy for a few hours you can crack open a beer grill something have KMOX on ball games on it feels normal again so taking it a step further uh, I have been talking to the Cardinals manager Mike Schilt and he wants to start his show so the season would have started on Thursday and his first show would have been tomorrow he's going to do it 
So starting tomorrow, we're going to have the Cardinals manager on for an hour talking baseball, talking about what we're going through now, telling some stories, and he will join me at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. So the Mike Schilt Show is back again, and he told me that he thinks that right now it would be a welcome sound to hear people talking baseball. I think he's right. I think baseball can play a role in uh, giving us that that need of uh, getting away from the news for a little while and just talking about the game that we love. Good stuff, Tom. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll continue to do uh, uh, similar things here. And hopefully the next time we talk to you, we'll be getting set to get going again. Absolutely, guys. And I'll tell you, this has been therapeutic. I'm sitting here in the back back patio, sipping a cup of coffee, talking <laughs> to you guys like we do. Like we, How long have we been doing this? 10 years, 15 oh, years probably? Talking, yeah, 15 right? or so, yeah. On the show. Yeah, talking on the show. So yeah, it feels feels normal. I okay. mean, let's do it. Let's get into a routine. Okay, I'll throw you. I'll throw you a basketball question to let you go. You were a, a younger guy back when, but you certainly remember the Flying Illini. You certainly remember the uh, 2005 team. There's a Twitter uh, poll out there. The, who would win that game? We had Kendall Gill on to lead off the show. You know who he thought would win that game? The Flying Illini. Any thoughts on those two teams as they might match up? Oh, the flying Illini were really, really good. And look, I, Darren Williams hit a huge shot, and that was an amazing moment tying that game in the Elite Eight. And I remember where I was. I was actually in the car listening to Kevin Harlan call that right between the eyes. You know, and, I, <laughs> and I yelled out. Cause I think I was heading down to KMLX for some reason that night. And I yelled out. And, I, you know, I still, as an Indiana alum and a Mizzou fan growing up, I'm supposed to not like the Illini, I guess, but I like them. I mean, I, I've always liked them and because I think they mean a lot to our region. And I remember yelling out and, and screaming, uh, oh, my God, you know. Um, that team was amazing. And following Bruce Weber all the way through, knowing him like I do, that was a lot of fun. That said, whew, that flying Illini team was really, really good. I would say out of if they matched up ten times, I might give the flying Illini the advantage there. And as good as that guard trio was uh, with D and, and with Darren and with Luther, boy, that, that Lou Henson team was darn good, man. I, I, and that's a team growing up that I – one of the teams that, I, that made me love basketball. I probably would lean with uh, Kendall Gill there. Appreciate your time, Tom. We'll do it again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. You bet. Tom Ackerman, sports director at KMOX in St. Louis. 1026 is the time. Our phone line is open, 356-9397. If you'd like to join us, Ed Bond has wandered into the studio, even though I told him to stay away. (laughs) He he managed to sneak around me and get six feet apart. But uh, Ed uh, produced uh, the ball game when it was played back in 2005. And... uh, you put together the replay that's going to come up here in about 30 minutes or so. Was that difficult to uh, edit that down at all? How'd you go well, about that? Well, not really. But the amazing thing to me is the broadcast will last three hours, and that cuts out the halftime. There's no halftime, and cuts out almost all the commercials, and it still goes three hours. Where did it, where did it begin? The broadcast. Uh, in the pregame. With the network pregame show? Or, yes, the or, network okay. pregame show. So there's an hour of pregame. But it, not even all of the pre- network pregame okay. show. It, it starts what is supposed to be just before tip-off, 
and it takes 15 minutes to get to the tip-off. But so it was the commercial break right before tip-off, but it took 15 minutes to get there. So okay. Is that because there was a game before it? Probably, yeah, yeah okay. probably. I don't know. And TV and everything. And TV. I yeah. mean, that's you know, tournament games. You don't know what's going to happen. That was a late afternoon game that ran into early evening. So, yeah. So and it goes all the way through the uh, post-game locker room. So we have both, you know, the extended Lou Olson and Bruce Weber interviews. We have Bruce Weber at courtside right after the game is over, or a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, and we have several of the players. And, you know, of course, they're all very excited about it. But uh, Spoiler alert, if you don't remember, it, did, it didn't really good get, get good for a lot of fans until the last five minutes or so of the uh, regulation. But uh, then it got really good. But like Tom was saying, it's really good to hear the arena. Yeah. And, you know, all the noise and the basketballs going in. and The thing that we've forgotten about that time is that these guys were just superstars in the, in the Midwest. The, 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 oh, every the, hotel we'd go to. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they had, you practically had to bring them in the back door. You we did a couple times mm-hmm. more, yeah. don't you? you yeah. Know. Did yeah. that at the Big Ten tournament in Chicago. Oh, Brought yeah. them up the uh, express elevator yeah. the back way. The yeah. elevators, yeah. Yeah. Good so. stuff to think about. And that game coming up, uh, it pretty much in its entirety, they, the actual game for sure. And then uh, some extra post-game activities that took place at Allstate Arena. And... Uh, it got the media scrambling to rewrite their leads and get back into the arena and meet their deadlines. It was good stuff. Any other games in? in well, maybe we ought to come up. You know, the Syracuse game. Mm-hmm. I've got that. How about Georgia Tech at Indiana in '89? Um, how about Indiana Tyler Griffey here? Yeah. How about some football from last season? We got all the games. Yep. And in some cases, we put our heads together. You wouldn't necessarily need to. To broadcast the entire game, but you could certainly do uh, the fourth quarter at Michigan State on the football field. So you know that, or you could do uh, uh, the Nick Anderson shot, or the last five or six minutes of, of a game, uh, and and put some of those together. It'd be kind of interesting. Appreciate your work, Ed. Okay, have fun listening to the game. Illinois will win. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert again. Ten thirty. WDWS Champaign Urbana. We'll take a break and be back with more after this on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 10.33 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks to Tom Ackerman for uh, joining us to talk some baseball there in the uh, first part of the second hour of the show. In the first hour, we started off with Kendall Gill, and Joe Hendrickson was on with us as well. Travis Tate joins us. Travis, how are you this morning? Hello. How are you? Your mother instructed your father to bring along his heavy-duty <laughs> bottle of scrubbing bubbles to the studio. He oh, did, my. He, he did that. Did you get any such instructions from headquarters? Uh, no, no. I'm just uh, trying to do that myself, but I'm sure Dad needs the uh, scrubbing bubbles for sure. <laughs> we want to talk to uh, Travis Tate a little bit. He follows the NBA a lot closer than his dad or myself. And uh, your thoughts on on all this, uh, the, the whole entire situation, and do you think the NBA will back, be back yet this season? Yeah, sure. Obviously, I mean, do I think? Like, I, you know, like anybody else, I have no idea. But um, all indications from people in the NBA, uh, players, coaches, front office people, you know, people associated with the media, of course, 
um, you know, they want to see games this year and, and best case scenario is that you're able to end the season with a champion at some point. Um, obviously they wouldn't restart it without that being a part of their plans, but it's like any, first of all, any games would be good, but then even better it would be to ensure that there's, you know, like an official season can't have happened unless you have a champion. So, um, that's what they're looking for. I mean, the latest dates that I've heard are, uh, and you know, obviously this can change in two weeks or something, but the latest dates that they really want to aim for would be like Labor Day in September. Um, so that just takes you so far down the line because now that's cutting so far into the next season. So then they've got to figure out what's going to, what are they going to do for the 2020, 2021 season? Um, I mean, there's just so many issues with all of this and really everything is in play. I think, uh, I think there was a tweet or a, um, story that came out recently that basically said that there is consideration for Midwest university gyms to start hosting these games if we get to that point because maybe there's some bigger cities that aren't able to accompany that or you know get that done um everything's just going to be you know it's kind of like the wild west right now in terms of uh in terms of any kind of like planning for future games well travis uh we we hear the uh discussions about possibly um some sections of the country being more accessible than others, New York, yeah. Washington, state of Washington, Florida, maybe uh, Detroit, could they play and just avoid those? It would be possible to to start a schedule and avoid those cities, avoid those communities. Yeah, I think. Yes, I, I think that that's an idea um, that obviously is going to involve a lot more travel for certain teams. Um, you know, thank goodness. You know, obviously, I want the Seattle Supersonics to come back, but thank goodness there's no team there right now because they would be right in the middle of it. Um, but there's obviously, you know, it's going to be everywhere. It seems like so. Um, but you know, if you want to take the New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets and you know the Boston Celtics and have them play all their games in Tennessee or in Champaign-Urbana or in somewhere in Wyoming or something, uh, you know, I think they're going to look at all options there. Again, like I mentioned, there was not only specifically mentioned was like Midwest college towns, but teams with G League or sorry, cities with G League teams. Um, and really, I think they're going to be looking anywhere that's got a gym. Las Vegas is always going to be an interesting place for them. The NBA has like a kind of a strange relationship with Las Vegas because they're pretty much never going to have their own team, but it's like a lot of other league um league-wide events happen there um so maybe they you know somehow find a way to get into a casino and you play a bunch of games in a in a giant ballroom um and so you're have, talking about you know, games being played fans without no fans, fans huh no fans yeah 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 do you think that they would that work i mean i think that's the option if you're if we get to the point where the the government says hey you can start having events they're not just going to immediately say, hey, you should immediately put 150,000 people in, you know, the big house in Michigan. They're going to say, try to keep it under, you know, 1,000 or they're keep it under 500 or something. And then you're able to do that like ballroom style game, which I just think would be a, a, such an interesting like piece of television to watch. I don't even know about the game, um, but I mean, it would just be fascinating to watch. Talking NBA with Travis Tate. 
Um, what does that do? Uh, I guess it depends on when they would restart, but uh, where does that push the draft? Would the draft have to still come after the end of the season? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the bad part. I mean, yeah. in terms of people like Io, I mean, he's in like, this is, you know, the worst possible thing that could happen for him. Um, first of all, missing out on any sort of March Madness, you know, if Illinois happens to make a run and we win two or three games or something, uh, he would, you know, probably benefit from that. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the actual draft itself, I mean, you can't have the draft until, you know, how the regular season finishes out or, you know, and then how the how the playoffs go. I mean, because then you have to have, um, you have to have uh, free agency as well. Um, I mean, there's just you have to have certain things happen before you can even start the next season. Well, Travis, if uh, if, if baseball is going to take, as Tom Ackerman indicated, two and a half weeks just to get the pitchers ready, how fast can the basketball players get ready? Yeah, that's not great. Um, that's a, yet another issue. Um, they probably, you know, they would probably need a, a really quick, like maybe four days or something with their own, you know, with their own teammates and stuff, just to kind of get back in the groove. You got to play some regular season games or some way to lead into the actual playoffs and then the playoffs happen. But you're, um, you're not going to talk about any exhibition game, nothing like that. I don't think exhibition games. No, I, I think you'd just have to like maybe run some scrimmages um, with your own guy. I just, I just don't know. I mean, I'm sure a trainer would say like, Hey, you know, these guys were, they were running full bore. You're hitting March. This is like now when people like really want to start getting good because the playoffs are right here, you know, and then you shut everybody down, you know, and then you're trying to rev them back up again. That's like, you know, that's how you run uh, your car into the ground. you you know, you run it so hard and then you turn it off and then you run it so hard right, you know, right away. Um, so, you know, I would like to see them with like a two-week situation where they can come back and do some sort of combination of of uh, training camp slash scrimmages slash maybe, like you mentioned, like maybe an exhibition game with somebody else who's like in the area. Um, because again, we don't even know where these are taking place at. So if you've got you know, two teams that are playing some of their games now in Oklahoma City. Like you take the, you know, you take Dallas and you take New Orleans or something. Throw everybody in Oklahoma City. Then you can have like a little pod of teams there that are able to sort of compete against each other. Then maybe you kick off the rest of the regular season and then a shortened playoffs. I'm wondering, uh, and I'm thinking in terms of football here, where they have in the NFL they have four exhibition games. Four, yeah. <laughs> which seems to be everybody agrees is too many, and maybe they have too many NBA practice games. I don't know, but uh, what we might see here is a, a reconsider after this is all over, a reconsideration of just how much exhibition preseason play we really need. Do you think that that would be a consideration in the future? Oh, yeah, for sure. Everything is going to be up in the air after this, whatever – the result of this season is, and then plus the next one, because the next one is going to be short too, you know, probably. So if you start next season and you only go 60 something games, maybe the owners are in a, in a different place financially. And they say, you know what, we can go with 66 games instead of 82, or we can go with 74 games instead of 82. Or, you know, like you mentioned NBA, I mean, the NBA, you legitimately need to get your guys sort of, 
together. It's much more like a team, like even more of a team sport than like football or of course like baseball is. Um, so I think it helps the teams like sort of become a little more cohesive. They play like maybe seven or eight or nine preseason games. So it's nothing. I don't know if that's like a sticking point for the, for the players. Um, but I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, every, like I said, everything is going to be up in the air, especially in the next season and a half. So what are you watching these days, Travis? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw an old, uh, there was an old Bulls game on the other day. I watched some of that. It was from like the Jordan era. Um, let's see. I actually, so uh, Ken Burns, who directed a number of really good uh, documentaries about like the Civil War and jazz music and Prohibition. He did a Vietnam one, I think was his most recent. Or no, he did that country music country one. Music, yeah. Yeah. Like that. I rewatched well, it. He did, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he did the baseball documentary, and so I've been rewatching that. Um, I've gotten through like five parts of that, and it's you know it's just really great, like history in terms of, especially in terms of the early history of of baseball. Hey, Pretty Travis, cool. we appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, checking in with us, and we'll talk to you soon. Sure. Thanks for having me. You bet, Travis Tate, with us on the phone. Something I started watching yesterday, Lauren, on the uh, first day that it was uh, available. Season three of Ozark. I've got to, I've got to, that's on Netflix. That's on Netflix. I've got to figure out some way to, to get that. And uh, I started watching Killing Eve, which is pretty good. I've seen, seen that. I've seen the first season. There's two, two seasons of eight each. Okay. We've got an open line the rest of the way. It's 1044. We'll take a break and be back with more. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. <laughs> Ten forty-seven here on DWS. Thanks for listening to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you till eleven. Maybe a, a skosh after the eleven o'clock hour if we're still uh, cooking along here. I had a text early in the show that I haven't had a chance to mention yet, but uh, Eric in Spokane, Washington, texted and said, "I always enjoy waking up on the West Coast to hear Saturday Sports Talk," and he's uh, glad we're we're still doing it. He has so, to be up at seven o'clock. Yep. And uh, that's dedication there, folks. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, keep uh, talking sports as long as we can here. Phone line is open now, 356-9397. Talked to uh, Mike Mary at um, Illini Pella yesterday. He is the general manager there, and they're getting along as best that they can during this difficult time as well. Their showroom is closed because of the uh, shelter in place, so however long that lasts, their showroom will be uh, closed. Their sales reps are working from home, and they can be contacted uh, by email, or you could go to their website and make a contact uh, there, and they could get back with you. So they can, uh, you can still do that at PellaOfChampagne.com. They're here for their customers, and when it's over and you start thinking about doors and windows, they'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, Mike Mary and his staff are hoping that uh, people don't forget the food banks and charities that are working to help and feed the people during these difficult times, folks that may have lost their jobs during this. So keep Illini Pella in mind when we get back to the new normal, whatever that might be and whenever that might be. Illini Pella, windows and doors. Let's go back to the phones and Ron in Champaign. Hey, Ron, thanks for holding on. Go ahead. Hey, Steve Lawrence. Uh, thank you for letting me talk. Uh, hey, Lauren, uh, you got me hooked on Killing Eve. I watched the first two uh, episodes. So I went to do the third one last night, 
and uh, it's going to cost me. So I want you to tell me how to get around that. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how to get around it. You just have to pay. And you got the money, so pour it out there. Quit trying to hoard all your money. You know what? And I was going to buy lunch for you guys Tuesday. Now I'm not going to do it. <laughs> well, I don't know where you'd buy it. <laughs> At the bowling alley. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, but we're running up the tab on you, Ron. So when, when, the, when we do get back there, we won't let you do it then. Okay, and I got to tell you before you, you cut me off here, uh, you guys are a breath of fresh air. It's uh, it's great to hear stuff that is fresh, and uh, not replays and uh, and well, different ideas about things. It, it's you guys are the best. So. Well, I'm, I'm Steve and I aren't breathing on each other, so we really don't know if we're a breath of fresh air or not. <laughs> well, that's probably a good thing. I, I bet you you're coated in uh, Prell, right? <laughs> I wish I had a. I wish I had a mask. Yeah, so, I, well. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ron, thanks for the call. Okay, Steve, you take care. You too. Stay safe, stay healthy. You too. Three five six nine three nine seven. I I was thinking of a different kind of mask. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Maybe a Halloween mask. If you'd like to join us, we threw out a question early on about if you had to fill a roster with. Uh, all-time Illinois players, could you come? Well, obviously, you could, but how difficult would it be to come up with a 13-man roster since the scholarship limit is 13? I told you mine earlier. Kendall Gill kind of ran down his. If you want to jump in and, and mention that to us, feel free to do it. But I haven't heard Lawrence yet. So Well, I told you I, I divided it between the 13 pre-1987, which is when the three-point shot came in, and I go back, as I told you a number of times, to – in my era, when I was in school, we had Sunderledge, Player of the Year. We had Edelman, who has to be on the team. He was a great player at the time. And then you had Johnny Red Kerr, who was also Player of the Year in the Big Ten. And then we, and then I skip up to Downey and Bill Small and Brody, who I thought was a tremendous um, guard. Don Freeman would be on my all-time team. Did you have Skip Thorine on there? Or? Certainly in, in I, consideration, I should, yeah. I should have, yeah. but I didn't. Yeah, uh, it's tough to do. And, and I had Weatherspoon on. I mean, Weatherspoon and Schmidt, Rick Schmidt, Eddie Johnson, and then Harper, Douglas, and then I had Winters on, although, you know, you could debate that. But that was my 13 uh, pre-1987. I start in, in 1987, I start out with uh, Altenberger because he's one of my favorite guys. My, mine too. I and had him. So, and some of these people are – favorite guys maybe they're not the best players right. but Ken Norman was one of the best players Nick Anderson was the best player Battle certainly belongs on there and Gill and then you have Dion Thomas now I I put Andy Kaufman on and, and you know you can b debate Andy but uh, boy he was a heck of a scorer there's no right or wrong answer it could be your yeah. favorite guys it could be who you think are the best players Kevon Garris is on my team yes. for sure mm -hmm. so is Corey Bradford although uh, I'm fudging there because I'd go over to 13 if I put... Well, uh, Malcolm Hill's got to be considered in that time frame, too. Well, and, and Paul, uh, Brandon, Brandon Paul, Paul, D. Brown, Darren Williams, and Cook, and Frank Williams. Yes. So that's basically my second 13. There you go. Let's go back to the phones. Ken in Urbana. Hey, Ken. During uh, how the uh, two transfers out of the Illinois basketball program might affect the program, and if you uh, want to talk about that, I'll hang up and listen. Well, the okay. two transfers. Okay. Yes, uh, Alan Griffin and uh, Tevian Jones. Well, we knew Trevian Jones was gone. I mean, that was automatic. He wasn't playing, and obviously he was going to transfer. 
uh, Allen was different. I think that I think we feel like he could have helped the team. And uh, I saw where he was considering a few schools, uh, schools like Arizona, Miami, Marquette, Dayton, Iowa State, Texas, Syracuse, Duke. His brother is going to Duke, so that uh, thought has crossed somebody's mind. Maybe that might be a destination. We don't know that for sure. But, uh, um, you know, I also learned this week that on the average, since they canceled the games— which was only just over two weeks ago. It seems like forever ago. But every day since then, an average of 40 players enter that uh, transfer portal. It jumped from 460 to 505. Uh, and Jeff Goodman does that. Uh-huh. He, he keeps a track of them. In fact, he's got every player listed. If you want to know, just call up Jeff Goodman and, and, and you can get it. He's on Stadium. Right. And uh, as of this morning, he, he showed 505 transfers. And... Um, that's just, I mean, this is before the season is ever officially over. And by this time, I mean, this is a much higher number than it would be normally at this time. But within another few weeks, it, it'll hit 1,000. And the coaches, even though they're doing it from home and working from home, they're keeping a close eye on that. They're making yeah. contacts and yeah. to get their rosters uh, back to full strength at 13. But Ten there's th- a reason, the point of this whole thing is there's a reason last year that Brad Underwood went out and brought in two guys, Hutcherson and Grandison, both, for the specific reason to replace uh, Alan Griffin and Jones in case their problems continued because both were having multiple off-court problems that made him leery, and he's got these guys in reserve. I'm not saying they're better. I'm not saying they're worse. I don't know how good they are. I think the coaches think they're pretty good, but whether they're better than Alan Griffin's another question, but he he was bucking several pro- Underwood was bucking several problems several problems with these two players, and he knew he couldn't count on them. I mean, he knew that he he, he was hoping he could, but he he knew he couldn't uh, count on them. So he he landed these two players in, to have them ready for next season in case Jones and and uh, Allen were, weren't around. Ten fifty five. That uh, replay of the Illinois Arizona game coming up. In just a few minutes, we need to take a break. We'll do that and be back with more on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk after this. We're about a minute away from 11 o'clock here on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. Be wrapping things up uh, momentarily and uh, get you to that uh, rebroadcast of that uh, great Illini victory over Arizona from 2005. Ooh take that music down okay we're going to go ahead and uh, go with that so bring it back up Blake <laughs> we're just kind of winging winging things here that's going to wrap things up Mr. Tate it's been okay, fun Stevie. we'll do it again next week and uh, have some more uh, interesting things we hope to talk about we appreciate all our guests Kendall Gill Joe Hendrickson Tom Ackerman Travis Tate thanks to all the folks that took time to call in as well here on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana Thanks to Blake Landa and Ed Bond as well for their help. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody, and we'll talk to you again soon.